Hey guys, Maestro here, bringing you episode 217 of Maestro on the Mic, doing it Thursday, shorty style. In today's episode, I'm telling you my story and how I personally have benefited from systemic racism. You knew this episode was coming, we're in the thick of things, and I'm here to speak on it. All that and more, but first, DJ, gimme that heartbeat. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it poppin'. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hey guys, Maestro here, and thank you for joining me for what might be my most important Thursday shorty to date. And I'm gonna say this right up front, I don't know how short this one's going to be. So you guys are going to be listening to this on Thursday, if you listen to when it drops, it'll be Thursday, June 4th, and we are in the thick of revolution, perhaps, quite quite possibly, um, but we're really in the thick of things, right? There's a lot of racial tension in the air in a, in a good way, a lot of hopefully, you know, on the brink of change and just a lot that's happening, a, a lot of eye-opening and awakening is happening, uh, myself very much included, and that is why I'm doing this episode. So you may or may not know, and honestly, we'll talk, I don't know if everyone does know, I am black, right? So I'm black and Puerto Rican. And I, for a very long time, did not feel that the black uh, fight was my fight. I didn't really associate with uh, that demographic. I grew up in a single parent household raised by my mom. She's Puerto Rican. You guys, if you're on Instagram, you've seen her. Um, and it just, that wasn't a part of my upbringing, like, like my immediate family. And I grew up with her, um, and on her side and her, both of her parents are from Puerto Rico and that's what was always around. So, you know, from a minority perspective and associating with a group, it was, uh, the Puerto Rican demographic. And also, if you don't know, I am gay. Uh, so there's that demographic and then also female. So lots of minorities here, but the, the two that I, the main one that I really championed growing up in terms of like, I, if I'm going to fight for something and march for something, uh, it's going to be the gay issue. I never really championed the black side of things. And I, you know, this, all of this stuff has happened. And quite frankly, I personally did not grow up feeling like I was discriminated against because I am black. So the, the outrage, the anger, the frustration the sadness, all this very justified that the black community is feeling right now, I felt and do still feel a bit divorced from that, a bit separate from that. And I want you to understand from the jump, my experience is not the typical African-American black person experience. I am not providing this or you know, using this episode to say that. I am actually putting this episode out in an attempt to share my story, and perhaps those whose stories are like mine 
give them a bit of a, hey, I'm going through this too. Let's learn together. Let's do better together. So I link it in the show notes. Um, but James Clear, I've spoken about this before. Um, he has a, an article or a paper he wrote, Why Facts Don't Change Our Mind. And my synopsis, my summary of it is that at the end of the day, people want more friends, not more facts. And this is not to say that facts aren't important, but you guys know plenty, there's many times where you're like, I'd rather be wrong than be associated with that group or those people. Uh, People in general want more friends, not more facts. And so this episode is not an attempt at like, I want you to be my friend. I'm going to like, you know, Trojan horse you or something like that, but it's my attempt to just re- try and be a bit relatable here and hopefully, you know, or perhaps, not hopefully, perhaps your story is similar uh, and maybe you're not a person of color and your story is still still similar to mine and what your experience can, can be you know, still similar or relatable to mine. And based on that, hopefully you're able to take something away and end up on the right side of history. We'll leave it at that. So my story, uh, like I said, grew up in a single parent household. Um, I actually spent, I don't know, I guess my first, I don't know, five years of life. I don't know. I was really young um, in Newark, New Jersey, which is like, you know, going to the hood, whatever people want to say. I don't remember that. Um, my mom is fucking amazing. And mom, if you're listening to this, I love you. I owe everything to you. Uh, you know, thank you is not enough, but I grew up in in Newark, we lived with my grandparents, and then we moved to Summit, New Jersey. And if you don't know where Summit, New Jersey is, it's a very, you know, for lack of a better word, it's a very white town. And yes, there are black people there. And no, we didn't, I did not live on like the nice side of town. Um, But once you go to middle school, that kind of doesn't matter because everyone goes to the same middle school. So actually the elementary school that we were zoned it for, um, and I'm going to say that my mom strategically picked this, was a very, one of the very good, it was like five elementary schools, a very good elementary school. Uh, and then when you go to middle school, it's all the same. Everyone, everyone in town goes to the same high school, irrespective of where you live. Uh, and then you guys, everyone goes off to college. So like I said, growing up, I never, I personally do not remember feeling discriminated against because I was black. I, I actually remember one instance and I like kind of don't even really remember it. I played soccer growing up um, and I played for the, the New Jersey State team and we would go to Canada and we had tournaments all summer and our team was the shit. Uh, we went to Canada and had a game and all I can remember, I remember my aunt was there, I'm pretty sure my grandmother was there and I remember just after the game being very sad and feeling like the referee was picking on me because I was black. And calling me for things because I was the only black player. Like, and growing up, I, I've basically almost always been the only black person in a lot of the surroundings, or like, you know, one of very few um, black people. And it's just been how it's always been for me. Um, perhaps that was made easier because my family was not black, right? My, my mom is Puerto Rican, and she actually, guys, again, if you see her, I'll link her actually in the show notes. Um, if you see her, she, she's light skinned. So I never was like, I don't think I really knew knew that I was different, to be quite honest. Uh, I just remember, and it's still with me, that I've always liked, quote unquote, nice things, expensive things. Uh, it's always been very important to me to be respected. 
I would rather be respected than be relatable. I've had this conversation with numerous friends, especially you know, as I moved into the, digi- into the digital and the business space. And I was like, I, it's more important to me to be respected than it is to be relatable. And I think that that's also, we'll, talk, we'll go into that. Um, but I see some male-female differences with that. But we'll cover that in a different episode. Um, and I always wanted to be viewed as smart and competent. And so like, you know, when you do like your Enneagram types and your, uh, the number things and the INTJ things, whatever, all those things, it was always very true. Like I'm a very true Capricorn, like very much like, yes, you are this. I'm born on January 1st, if you guys wondering. Uh, and so those things have been always very important to me, right? I've always liked nice things. I, I want to be respected and I want to be viewed as smart and competent. And, you know, looking back on it and, and really, you know, analyzing these things, it was a kind of a classist kind of things. Like I wanted to be associated with people that were, that had nice things, that people who in my eyes were respected, uh, people who were viewed as smart and competent and good at things. Uh, and if you really dissect that, and if I really dissect it and sit here, I know specifically that I was like, I do not want to be associated with black people because I'm seeing that they are not, they don't oftentimes have nice things, right? Lower socioeconomic status. Uh, They're not as respected. You just see the way that like people talk about it and just like you you internalize these things, right? Uh, And they're not viewed as smart and and as smart as competent. And very much, I know that I modeled my behavior in such a way that it would not emulate those things. Right? I was like, no, I don't want to be part of that group because I want these other things. Right? I want the nice things. I want to be respected and I want to view you as smart and competent. And, you know, years and years and years of like just internalizing this and being like equating, ultimately equating black people and minorities as people that don't have nice things, people who are not respected and people who are not that smart, quite frankly. You know, as I sit and and think about it, and it was like, I am going to separate myself from this as much as possible. And those actions, those conscious decisions that I made, and that behavior that, that, you know, came from that, absolutely benefited me. Absolutely. You know, growing up, I had a phenomenal childhood. I had a phenomenal middle school, a phenomenal high school experience. I loved high school. I was smart. I was great at sports, and those are things that people really, really respected. And I dressed to fit in. And again, I went to a largely white school, so I modeled that. I, I love, I still do love wearing polos. I, I love, you know, that that was just how I how I was. I, I felt comfortable with it. You know, familiarity breeds, breeds familiarity breeds comfort. It can breed, breed trust. It's what I saw. I wanted to fit in, and so I modeled that behavior. That reeks of systemic racism. And I took that, and I ran with it. And I made sure that I spoke a certain way, and I carried myself in a certain way. And whether or not, you know, we have chicken or the egg, where it's like, now I'm comfortable with it because I've done it for so long, or like, did I just always want to do that, and then I did it, and I was good at it, and kept doing it? I don't know. But either way, that shit's in there, right? And heck yes, that absolutely benefited me. You know, yes, are there, you know, did I perhaps get discriminated against and didn't realize it? Perhaps, but I never, again, I didn't know. I didn't feel that. I was picked for things. You know, perhaps I got picked for other things because I was this 
you know, I don't want to, it was not, I cannot say passing because you can look at me. I'm not passing. I, I don't, I'm not white. I'm not, I'm not light skinned, but my mannerisms and that outward, everything else, everything besides my skin color, right, was familiar to white people. And so perhaps it made it more, you know, light, more easier for people to pick me for things and elect me for things because it was just like, yeah, it's familiar. I am not at all saying anything bad about those specific people that pick me for whatever, but understanding how this ties into the system and systemic racism. First of all, that term of systemic racism, that's just like a thing that I learned about like last week. Like I am learning with you guys. Again, I am putting this episode out in an attempt to be relatable to have you guys walk with me and learn with me and just be fully transparent, right? Because that's all that we can do right now. Be transparent and then listen to those who are actually going through these things and and listen to those voices who have been screaming and begging and pleading for years. So I just want to share my story as I now then or as I then join you with, with more listening. So again, that's how, that's how I grew up. And those are the, the behaviors that I modeled. And it definitely behooved me. The systemic racism absolutely helped me out. Gave me a leg up with, with things. Perhaps I was convincing myself that, you know, it's all under the guise of being respected um, and such. But what I really meant was like, don't be black. And don't do things that are viewed and, and associated with being black because you won't succeed. You won't go as far. It's going to be harder for you. I 100% played into that system and benefited from the terribleness, I don't know the word, of that system. I'd spoken a certain way, dressed a certain way, carried myself in a certain way. And I wasn't doing it, you know, in a conniving, devious way. It was just like, I want to be successful. And the way to do that is by doing this. And, you know, again, meeting great people along the way and, and not at all saying anything bad about the experiences of the other people or anything like that. And that's, I think, where, you know, we're all struggling is that when it comes to racism and stuff and, and understanding how it affects our lives and how it's within us, we kind of uh, struggle to separate, uh, you know, benefiting from racism and being a bad person. But you, not just because you benefited from this thing does not make you a bad person, but now we must take a step back, which is what I'm doing, and saying, how have I benefited from this fucked up system? Let's figure out this system. And now, how can I use my privilege? Because I have that. I absolutely have that. How can I use my privilege to help out those who need it? You know, looking back, like, and, and right now, who am I kidding? Looking back and right now, I didn't have a lot of black friends. I had some, for sure. Uh, but I never made a concerted effort to hang out with any of the black kids, any black students. You know, I, I on my reading list is, why are all the black kids sitting together? Because Lord knows I wasn't sitting at that table, uh, sitting with them. And again, though, um, I also wasn't sitting at the girls' table. I was sitting with the boys. So it was like, there's like there were so many things for me. I'm not using this as an excuse, just telling my story. So many things for me growing up that, you know, I really was just able to look at other things and focus on other things. And I was like, this 
um, gay issue, if you will, it's not an issue, but we'll put it, we'll call it that, the gay issue, was a bigger issue to me. Uh, gender identity things was a bigger issue to me than, than race. Um, and so, I, you know, I, told, I would tell myself the story, well, you know, I could hide the fact that I'm gay, but I can't hide the fact that I'm black, so that's like not my fight. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna champion this thing that I that I could hide, but I'm not hiding, and so you know I built a story around that. Um, but you know, circling back to the race issue, I was like, again, I had very few black friends. Not that I wasn't friendly with the back, with black people. I didn't have many many friends. Um, I never dated uh, black women, and so much of it is just like that internalized racism and that internalized just like this. That that thing is lesser than that. Like to date a black woman is to date something that would make you less respectable, and that is or less respected, and that is fucking really racist to say. And I'm saying it because this is this is my truth, right? This is my what I experienced and, and my my past. So what I said like I don't know a few minutes ago was it is on all of us, each and every one of us, to first see, first learn about systemic racism and learn about racism in general and then see how we've been complicit in this system and how we've perpetuated this system and how we continue to promote this system and the ideals set forth within this system and then we have to use our privilege to do something about it all right so um there's a video i actually watched yesterday um i think it was chris cuomo and angela air and it was just I'm writing it down. Um, it's really good because the way she just kept asking him, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Like, these are great things you're saying, but what are you going to do? And I was like, damn, she good. Real talk for me. It's a few steps here. But the biggest thing is going to be moving forward to actually make the effort. Meaning I, one, got to learn more. I got to educate myself. I watched that documentary 13th. Holy smokes, eye-opening. And I know a lot of you that have been in this fight and, and, you know, people that have been doing this, they're, like, probably rolling their eyes, like, uh, of course, it's, it's nothing new. But for me, hugely eye-opening. And uh, Dr. Jennifer Hutton, Dr. J-Pop, she's coming on the podcast next episode. She's doing a webinar next Monday. I will link that in the show notes as well. Um, I'll link so you can get to her. Um, but she's doing a webinar about anti-racism and allyship for healthcare and movement professionals. So that's going to be next Monday, June, uh, what is that date? June 8th. Um, so, oh no, excuse me, next Tuesday. What am I saying? Next Tuesday, June 9th. Next Tuesday, June 9th, she's doing that. But either way, that'll be all in the, sh- in the show notes. But I reached out to her and she was great, gracious enough to, to help me out with this. I do not believe that folks of privilege, in, irrespective of your color, should be asking those who are suffering right now to educate them. That's, that's really not the, the best thing. So I remain extremely grateful to Jennifer for have, being so patient uh, and, and so giving with me. But I think what I need to do specifically is number one, I got to learn more. I got to educate myself. This is no different. I did a post about this. This is no different than if you had a patient come in who was in terrible pain and you never heard of this thing before, what would you do? Right? You're going to validate and you're going to listen. You're going to listen and you're going to validate. Uh, and then you're going to go and learn. You're going to Google stuff. You're going to go read books. You're going to go ask people, you know, friends. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to learn 
and listen, because there's so much on social media right now. I, you, there's plenty of people to listen to. Um, if you go scroll through my posts, you'll see a bunch of, of recommendations there. And more specifically, I'm going to make an effort to support more, you know, the, the word is BIPOC, right? More black, indigenous, people of color uh, um, businesses, uh, accounts, people. Right? So buying products from them. And just also making more friends that don't that are diverse. I almost said they don't look like me. This is how deep this shit is. I almost said that don't look like me. Jesus, making more friends within this community. And I know that it can be a bit feel a bit forced. And so especially because like everyone's doing like going a thousand miles a minute right now. And this is very reminiscent of the early days of Rona. By the way, where the fuck did Rona go? Hmm? Right? Maybe the media should not be so fantastical and, you know, a bunch of bullshit. But I need to make the effort to actually make friends within within that community, this community. Um, and again, it can feel forced, like I was saying, like, this feels very reminiscent of early Rona, where, like, everyone was, like, doing lives and, like, hopping on and, like, screaming from everywhere, and it's it's very much feels like that, but it also feels different than a lot of the other, other racial issues, and maybe because it's, like, you know, I hate to say it, but, like, I truly care this time. It, it hits different. I watched that documentary, and I was like, holy shit, I gotta do something, all right? I think we're all feeling that, uh, and so I'm gonna discourage you from... I don't know if discourage is the right word, but I'm going to caution you against, you know, going a million miles a minute right now because this is going to be multiple marathons. It's not a marathon, it's multiple marathons. And if you've spoken to anyone who has truly been in this fight for a long time, they will tell you that. They're going to be like, dude, I've been doing this since I was a kid, experiencing this. So we got some time ahead of us. Um, But... I'm going to make that effort, and I know, like I was saying, this is what I was originally saying, is that it can feel forced of, like, oh, you're, like, going to try, and, like, like are you doing, doing that right now because, like, you realize this, and it's like, this, yes, that is why I'm starting now. Like, waiting a little bit so it doesn't feel forced is, like, not the answer either. you got to take action and just be be cognizant of how you do it. Be, like, a human and don't be gross about it, how you do it. Like, I actually today did a post, and... Um, asked for recommendations for new friends. I was like, hey, I need more friends. I truly believe that, uh, you know, what changes our minds, what changes our experiences, more friends, not facts. And I had people list. So if you're looking for uh, more uh, BIPOC um, uh, accounts, right, you can go to the, my post. I'll link that today. I'll link that in the show notes. And there's a, there's a bajillion comments in there. And for me, also, I, I made a disclaimer. I'm like, I'm not going to follow everyone that you recommend. Like, part of it is that I do, you know, if, if I don't care what color you are, if you're, like, posting stuff about guns all the time, like, that's, like, not my jam. Like, I'm probably not going to follow you. Uh, so I am still not, I'm not going about it. Like, oh, I'm just going to, like, hit follow everyone. That, don't do that at all. Like, have some critical, be, be a critical thinker here. But... We do need to make the effort to actually include more people. Like, I actually speak about this. I recorded the episode already with Jennifer. Um, and in the, in the episode, this came up, that this came up, that I have two, this is episode 217. I have had, like, four black people on. Out of, and mind you, half of those 
it's it's half of the 217 are the dual episodes, the episodes I bring someone on. So still, you know, 108 or so episodes and I don't know, four of them. I'm trying to think, right? I had Jennifer on. I had her on twice. Same person though. I had Yanni Proctor on. Uh, I had uh, Kiana Thompson on. Uh, and I had Leon on. And that's it. Uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. And it's kind of, you know, I, it's like almost like, well, people will, they will be like, oh, but you're off the hook because like you're black. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's how it works, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's how, that's actually how it works. So if we look at the, um, so yeah, I got to make it, I'm making, I will make a conscious effort to learn and then make more friends. And the, I, I really think I, I'm, I'm emphasizing the learning part first and really digging into my own shit, right? Learn and dig into your own shit because it's going to be very difficult to make new friends and different friends if you're holding on to the same ideology, if you're holding on to the same bullshit, if you're holding on to the same rhetoric because you haven't actually del- delved, del- I don't know what the word is, you haven't dug into that yet. So this is why the learn and the, the dissect comes first. And then making that conscious effort to support these communities, these people, these, you know, uh, and making more friends within that community. And it's, it's, you guys may, maybe you feel as weird as I do that I'm saying it like I'm outside of that community. And, but that's, how I've always felt to be completely honest. I've always felt outside of the black community. And so I'm going to speak very candidly, um, right now about that. You know, when I'm like, yeah, them and outside and like, yeah, because that's how I, that's how I felt. And it's not, it's by no actions of the black community. It's my own shit and my own internalized racism that, you know, created this, these boundaries. And so now it's up to me if I can knock that shit down. So first learning about it and, and how many ways it pervades every aspect of everything. If you haven't read anything, you haven't watched anything yet. 13th was huge. Jennifer, again, God bless her. She knows how I learn. I don't really like reading books. I'm not going to lie, guys. Uh, I do well with business books, but just in general, I don't, I don't like reading books. Um, and so she was like, watch this documentary first. And I was like, yes, that is, give me all the documentaries. Uh, and so I started with that and I was just like, holy shit, my eyes are open. And then I, I felt like the, you guys have seen that gif with the guy and he's, he has, like, all the red strings. He's, like, talking about conspiracy theories and then, like, understanding how everything relates to everything else. And, like, I felt like that was me in a second. My head was exploding. And I was like, oh, my God. So that might be you. If that is you, please resist the urge to then become the number one anti-racism champion proponent. Because you don't know shit. All right? So this is once, as we're learning, to learn, you got to listen. And it's our duty now to listen to those, like I said before, who have been screaming, begging, pleading, asking for years. Let them speak. So uh, I want to kind of throw this out here because I think it's really, I don't know, it's really cool. But uh, if we look at the the, comp- the phases of competency, I think that's what it's called. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up right now. Um, we have four phases that we go through. And we talk about this at Rock Tape, actually. And I talk about it in my movement class, um, my personal course. And we got four stages that we go through when we're learning something. Right? We start with unconscious incompetence. Like we think about movement, right? Like this is the person they don't even know that they look like a Pinterest fail. They have no idea. Unconscious incompetence. They cannot do the thing. Then someone points it out, and we move into conscious, conscience, conscious, Jeez Louise, conscious incompetence, and that's where. I am now, and many of us, and we're like, oh 
goodness, we have been benefiting from this system. We are complicit in this in this system. We then move into conscious competence, right? So we went from unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, so we know we're doing things wrong, to then conscious competence, where we are actively trying and aware of doing the right thing. And then ultimately, we go to unconscious competence, where things just happen, we don't have to think about it, and you're just doing the right thing, because that's what you do. That step is quite far away for me. I know this. Um, and right now, well, this is the story I'm telling you, this is the episode I'm doing, is, is my emergence into conscious incompetence and realizing how much I don't know and how much I've done wrong and how much I need to do better on. Right, so again, doing this episode as a way to share, because this is what I do, you guys know, share myself, share my story here, and probably this is more of my story than you've heard of, uh, but I, I am one to always share my thoughts, and that's what this is, but I'm tying it into my personal history, because they are, you can't separate the two. I am keeping an eye on the time here, and like I told you in the beginning, this is probably not going to be a Thursday shorty, but I'm coming to the end here, um, but before, I, I got kind of two main points, I think, that I that I have left that I want to hit you with. Um, and the first one is a quote that my friend Richard Barrett sent to me. He's a friend of mine from the world of Instagram. He's a good man. And he sent me this the other day and I was like, yes. And this ties into that first step that I said of, of learning, which is also learning about how this, how you, learning how this is within you. I think that's what I should say. Learning how this is within you. The racism, systemic racism is within you, how you are within that system. All right, so this is a quote uh, by, I cannot say this man's name, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I, I feel terrible. I, don't, I, can't, I can't pronounce that name. But here's what he said. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? I thought that was, I hit the nail on the head. So much of the struggle that we're going to see and that we're seeing right now from allies and people of privilege. I'll say anyone of privilege. The struggles we're seeing is that there's a moment where you got to be like, oh shit, I did something bad. Oh shit, I'm still doing something bad. And for some people, they not they can't even get to that, right? They they will not let themselves get to that, and that's why they're like, it doesn't exist. Racism doesn't exist. All lives matter. Like they they can't even get to that point because in order to get to that point, you have to first admit your own fault. You have to first admit your own shortcomings, and that shit ain't easy. So that is largely, quite frankly, why I'm doing this episode. It's my hope that as I admit my shortcomings and my faults and my racism, my internalized racism and my role within systemic racism, that perhaps it becomes easier for someone out there listening, perhaps you, to do the same. 
I'm not at all saying you're a bad person. They're different. But it starts with that. It starts with me, which is, and I put on, you know, quote unquote me, which is why I made that the title of this episode. Change starts with me. I believe that the best way forward is going to be for each person, particularly each person of privilege, of any kind of privilege, to check themselves, to look at themselves in the mirror and say, how have I been involved in this? How is this within me? And admit that shit. Maybe first you have to learn about that shit. I don't I think it's a little bit of a kind of they're, they're tied together there. So you can start looking for clues and examples and then be like, oh my God, I played into that. Yes, I totally agree. I think for me watching 13th really just, it just, you know, electrocuted the situation. Just put it together. I, I've known this for a long time. I've had discussions. I've gone to therapy. Like I've known this for a long time, but it was like I watched it and I was admitted. It. I was like, shit, that's me. Yep. I definitely, I, I put that post out. Hey, black people are not criminals. I When I post things, I post that shit just as much for myself as I do for you guys. I post it because I was like, I got to hear this. I got to start believing this. Because I know for a fact that I equated the two of like black, even though I'm black. Yes. I, I equated the two that, you know, black people tend to be criminals. They tend to, you know, do these things, commit more, commit more crimes, and like, you know, growing up, moving forward, and like becoming an adult, and being like, that's not very nice to say. It's not very re- reasonable to say, and you know, wanting to argue with, maybe basically white people that would say otherwise, but also being like, maybe they're right there, you know, and and being that person that would be like, but, and then watching that documentary and being like, fuck, that's what I should be saying, not but, like I fucked up, so. I believe that change starts with me, meaning change starts with the person that you're looking at in the mirror and asking yourself, how have you been complicit in this? How is this within you? What have you done? What are your beliefs? What are the beliefs that you hold? And starting to unwrap and untangle those. I see some finger pointing going on right now from, again, people of privilege. And, I, and I'm and i not saying white people, and I'm not, not saying white people so that I don't offend people. I'm literally saying people of privilege because I'm a black person and I'm doing this. We're, you know, we're guilty of this. People of privilege calling people out. And I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to do it. Um, again, people want more friends, not more facts. And I'm not saying that you need to be their friend and, and be like, I'm, I'm going to lie to them so they be become my friend. No. I do believe that first it starts with examining our own issues and then asking others to do the same and helping others to do the same as opposed to being like, you're wrong, you're doing it wrong. I saw that shit with the, so I totally was, I am in favor of the Blackout Tuesday. Uh, I think that there was a lot of strength in that, a lot of power in that. Um, It gave people who are unsure of first steps or like how to express that, um, solidarity and support it gave them something to do um I, I did a whole story about this in, you know in my stories um so yes point blank I, I was in, in favor of that but you know i'm seeing people calling people out and, and on things like that and i'm like this is not the way to unite a team by pointing fingers i think that all we can do is ask people as and starting off with Asking people to do the shit that we're doing. 
Not asking them, like not telling them that's a better way, that's a better way. And again, I'm speaking to, I'm staying in my lane. I hate that fucking line. But I'm staying with what's what I know here. And so people of privilege who are feeling outside of this movement right now and that it doesn't, hasn't affected them the same way. All I think that all we can do right now, the best thing that we can do right now is listen to those who have been begging, pleading, screaming for years, educate ourselves and start fixing our own shit. All right, start accepting our own shit and then start fixing it. I've given you a list. Like I said, you guys can hold me accountable if you want to submit people that you would love for me to bring on the podcast, people of color, black people, people of color, indigenous people, let me know. Send it in. Text me. What is my number? 310-737-2345. Text me there. Email me, Shantae at themovementmaestro.com. DM me at themovementmaestro. Let me know. Hell, you know, I am asking for help here. Uh, I'm not looking to put the burden on people by any means. And please, you guys don't do that again. Do not, if you had a patient, you wouldn't go to the patient and be like, so what should I do now? So what should I do now? And what about now? And what about now? It's fucking annoying. And it's not how you treat. Right, so don't do that. Um, educate yourself. Resources are out there. They're everywhere now. They're literally everywhere now. And then all you got to do is go educate yourself and look at yourself. In this case, yeah, maybe be a little bit selfish and fix your shit first and ask others to do the same. Don't go out and be like, look how great I am. I did this. I read all these fucking books. I'm amazing. No. Go and sit and, and really unpack all of your own shit because I truly believe that change starts with me. I'm not going to say change starts with you and change starts with that guy over there. That's not how it works. Imagine if everyone handled their own shit. Well, suddenly I think we'd be doing okay. So I'm not here to, you know, to paint a quick solution to things. Um, again, I, my goal with this episode is absolutely not to be like, this is what black people experience and actually it's fine. And no, I am the exception to the rule. And you guys know how I feel about people making rules out of the exception to the rule. Don't do that shit. I'm the exception to the rule there. I have experienced tremendous, and what I want to believe, despite the fact, you know, I didn't grow up with money. Absolutely not. But the ideals that I, I think instilled in myself, um, definitely created privilege and from there i use that capitalized on that and have benefited from this fucked up system and now it's on me to unpack that handle my own shit go and learn and then make a concerted conscious effort to do better i'm doing this episode hopefully you know in the hopes that you decide to do the same i'm not here forcing you to do anything like that but Perhaps if you hear my story, you'll be like, hey, there's a friend, and I want to go along for that ride. All right, officially going to wrap it up. That's all I got for you. This was definitely not a Thursday shorty. I truly appreciate you sitting here with me um, and, and moving forward with me and listening to me. Definitely not going to ask for any likes or subscriptions or anything like that. My two asks today are... Share it with someone if you think it can help them. And sign up for Dr. J-Pop's webinar. Uh, I will be there. I have so much to learn. Um, So those two things. Share it if you think it can help someone. Share it if it helped you. And sign up for that webinar. Please remember, folks. That was a little bit loud. Sorry about that. Please remember, folks. The only way out is through. 
And the only way through is together. Alrighty, officially gonna wrap it up. Until next time, friends, maestro 